Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests Bob Levy, former chairman of the Cato Institute and now senior fellow emeritus in constitutional studies. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is November the 23rd, and on this day in 1876, William Meager Boss Tweed, leader of the New York City's corrupt Tammany Hall political organization during the 1860s and 70s, was delivered to authorities in New York City after his capture in Spain. Tweed became a powerful figure in Tammany Hall, uh, New York City's Democrat political machine in the late 1850s. By the mid-60s, he had risen to the top position in the organization, formed the Tweed Ring, which openly brought votes, encouraged judicial corruption, extracted millions from city contracts, and dominated New York City politics. The Tweed Ring reached the peak of fraudulence in 1871 when the remodeling of the city courthouse, a blatant embezzlement of city funds that was exposed by the New York Times, Tweed and his flunkies hoped that the criticism would blow over, but thanks to the efforts of opponents such as Harper's Weekly political cartoonist Thomas Nast, who conducted a crusade against Tweed, virtually every Tammany Hall member was swept from power in the elections of November 1871. <clears throat> All the Tweed Ring was subsequently tried and sentenced to prison. Boss Tweed served time for forgery and larceny and other charges, but in 1875 escaped from prison and traveled to Cuba and Spain. In 1876, he was arrested by Spanish police who reportedly recognized him from a famous Nash cartoon depiction. After Tweed's extradition to the United States, he was returned to prison where he died in 1878. Still same types of corruption, though. He left his playbook even though he died. Well, the Supreme Court on Tuesday turned down former President Donald Trump's request to block House Democrats from accessing his tax records. Earlier in November, Chief Justice Roberts temporarily blocked the release of Trump's records, according to the Associated Press. Uh, the tax returns were requested by the Democrat-led House Ways and Means Committee. The panel has not yet said when it will get access to the documents. Republicans are expected to withdraw from the request. Uh, when they take the house back, according to NBC News. Now, this is such an interesting story. <clears throat> I'm not a lawyer, and I don't understand the vagaries necessarily of how this might work. But to me, this seems like a tremendous opportunity for the GOP. Uh, he's been ordered to uh, deliver his tax records. Uh, probably won't happen until the first of the year when the Dem when the Republicans take over. At that point, I think uh, Republicans will withdraw the request, and uh, it'll be a moot point. However... It uh, opens the door for perhaps the Republicans to make requests for tax records for uh, President Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, where I think there's going to be a lot of income that hasn't been de uh, with, uh, declared because of secret payments from the chi communist Chinese. We'll see how this all plays out. But it is an interesting development and perhaps ironic as well. <clears throat> Well, Dr. Uh, Fauci on Tuesday gave his final COVID briefing before officially retiring. Uh, he's finally stepping down from the post after destroying millions of lives with COVID policies. He gave an update uh, next to Biden's COVID czar, Dr. Ashish Jha. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it's really a great pleasure to be back here with you again, albeit, I believe, for the last time, he said, as we walked up to the lectern. Fauci said Americans should take COVID tests before Thanksgiving and Christmas gatherings. Well, he just doesn't quit, does he? We're all gathering at family gatherings for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for any other holiday. As we get together in the winter, it makes sense that you might want to get a test that day before you come into the place. He said, Fauci uh, said he will, will cooperate fully with lawmakers and testify before Congress. If there are oversight hearings, I absolutely will cooperate fully and testify before Congress. We can defend and explain and stand by everything that we've said. I have nothing to hide. Boy, he is a great liar. Unbelievable. Chaos erupted after Karine Jean-Pierre, 
refused to call on uh, a reporter from for asking Fauci about the origins of COVID. I'm done. I'm done with you, Corrine Jean Pierre shouted, uh, ending uh, the conference. And Fauci and uh, she walked off. She was pretty upset. She kind of lost control. Uh, but uh, I think uh, certainly Fauci's going to have his day in court. We look forward to that. And it'll be in front of Congress. Well, the Biden administration, desperate to mute headlines about illegal immigrant crossings, has secretly started a new system to let its potential lawbreakers that are also puts them on, on the fast track to legal status. The program amounts to an amnesty ticket and pre-selects some of the, those caught up in Mexico's immigration controls. Word of the program is spread like wildfire, swamping border camps in, involved in the program, according to a report by immigration expert Todd Benzman with the Center for Immigration Studies. In his report, shared by uh, Secrets Monday, <clears throat> Benson said thousands are hearing about this new legal way in and swamping and expanding system of American Mexican shelters that gradually feeds their occupants through American ports of entry with temporary legal status and opportunity to make the big move permanent. Benzman, who's uh, revealed several loopholes in Biden's immigration policies, called the program part of a purposeful strategy to create workarounds to court-ordered expulsion policies, but also to reduce politically painful illegal crossing statistics by channeling ever more people through these legalized crossings. So corrupt. And while neither DHS nor the White House has publicized this illegalized, legalized entrance program, uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has repeatedly telegraphed it as off-stated intentions to create legal pathways as part of the uh, administration's overarching safe, orderly, and humane vision for southern border immigration. The CIS report uh, questioned the legality of the program and describing how it works. Twice a day, seven days a week since September, Mexicali city officials working closely with the Biden U.S. Customs and Border Protection on a secure shared CP, uh, CBP-1 uh, online platform selects hundreds of people a month for their escorted government-to-government handoff through the land port of entry of uh, Calexico, California. Once the Americans uh, check their pa paperwork, they legally admit Ill illegal border crossers into the U.S. interior until a questionable authority known as humanitarian or significant public benefit uh, parole, that's what it's called, humanitarian or significant public interest benefit parole, they are free to start their new lives under the benefit with work authorization and the right to apply for asylum as part of the package. Spenceman said the officials in Mexicali gave him access to legalized border crossing operation that began in September from several bases, including Cancun. This is, I think, again, uh, evidence of the president operating illegally using uh, uh, something that should be a minor, minor uh, use in the United States, because how many people have a humanitarian or significant public uh, benefit parole? <laughs> Just unbelievable. Using every loophole they can in order to speed up and enhance illegal immigration. <clears throat> Well, numerous issues plagued vote centers in Arizona's uh, Maricopa County on Election Day, from ballots rejected by tabulators to hours-long lines for voting, according to affidavits filed with the Arizona Attorney General's office. According to the affidavit reported by Mike uh, Soninclar, a roving attorney with the Republican National Committee's Election Integrity Program in Arizona, he and 10 other RNC roving attorneys reported their observations and those of Republican observers at vote centers on Election Day. The 11 attorneys uh, visited 115 out of the 223 vote centers in Maricopa County on Election Day, and two of them, or 62.61%, had material problems with tabulators not being able to tabulate ballots, Soninclar reported causing voters to either deposit their ballots in box three, uh, spoil, spoil their ballots and revote, or get frustrated and leave the vote center without voting. Box three, also called door three or slot three, is a separate box on the tabulators in which the ballots are not counted by the machines and were placed for later tabulation. Maricopa County, however, has admitted that in some voting locations, door three non-tabulated ba ballots were commingled with tabulated ballots, according to a letter from the Arizona Attorney General's office to, to the county. This is just unbelievable. 
so corrupt. In many voting centers, the tabulators rejected the initial insertion of the ballot almost 100% of the time, though the tabulators might still accept the ballot on the second, third, fourth, or fifth, sixth attempt to insert the ballot, said RNC attorney. However, many ballots were not able to be tabulated by the tabulator at all, no matter how many times the voter inserted the ballot. Noting that there were many cases where printers and tabulators had issues throughout the election day, from the opening and closing of the polls, Sonenclar said the reports directly contradict statements of the county election officials that the printer or tabulation issues were limited to only 70 of the 223 voting centers and that the problems were resolved as of 3 p.m. Just not true. The printer tabulator issues were significant in the entire scheme of the election. There were also significant lines at 59 of the 115 voting centers, and the attorneys visited, along with uh, many voters, waiting one and two hours before receiving a ballot, according to the report. As a result of the printer and tabulator issues, many voters spoiled ballots that wouldn't tabulate and tried voting with new ballots, sometimes leaving the same issues and causing the process to take longer. Because Republican voters significantly outnumbered uh, Democrat voters in the county on Election Day, such voter suppression would necessarily impact the vote tallies for Republican candidates much more than the vote tallies for Democrats, said Sonenclar. This is just uh, unbelievable. The letter from the Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright reported that the department had received hundreds of complaints, including firsthand witness accounts. According to the letter, some of the information is based on the sworn complaints submitted by election workers employed by Maricopa County and the plethora of reports from election workers, poll uh, observers, and voters. The letter gave the county just until November 28th, the day the counties are required to certify the elections. Well, guess what? Four counties here are not going to certify the election, so we'll see what kind of a constitutional crisis this creates in Maricopa County. Uh, <clears throat> or maybe they'll cave. Who knows what's going to happen? But it, these ballots are not certifiable. That's for sure. And uh, by the way, Attorney General uh, nominee Abe Habada has filed the state's first statement of election contest in Arizona Superior Court. Habada uh, currently trails radical left Democrat Chris Mays by 510 votes, and it's expected to be a recount. Abe shared his complaint today with uh, Chris Mays, Katie Hobbs, and county officials across the state of, uh, on Twitter, telling them, see you in court. Habadaw, Arizona's demands answers and deserves transparency about the gross incompetence and mismanagement of the general election by certain election officials. I will not stiding, stop fighting until all voters receive justice. See you in court, Habadaw tweeted. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully, justice. We'll see some justice there. You can't just outright cheat and get away with it. We'll see if that uh, what happens as this is being resolved. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best at building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting... um, with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Uh, Bob was 14 years as chairman of the board of the Cato Institute, and he currently serves as senior fellow emeritus in constitutional studies. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to defending private property, free markets, Securing Individual Rights and Limited Government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Uh, we talk about national security and civil liberties in some ways. It feels like both are kind of slipping away from us. So we talked a little bit about the tension between the two. Last week, I want to pick up with the, the uh, Korematsu case, which was, of course, the incarceration of the Japanese back in the Second World War. Is there a modern-day counterpart to the Korematsu case? Well, if you think that indefinite detention of U.S. citizens with no charges filed and, and no access to a lawyer ended with World War II, um, think again. Uh, there was the case uh, some years ago of Jose Padilla, a U.S. citizen, seized in Chicago and confined to a solitary confinement for the better part of five years. There were no charges. There was no visitation allowed, no legal counsel. He was ultimately convicted on criminal charges uh, after the Supreme Court was about to order his release. And those charges had little to do with uh, what he was originally charged with, whether that is setting off a dirty bomb. So, you know, I'm not an apologist for him. He may have deserved even worse than what he received. But we do have a, a rule of law to uphold, and at a minimum, it means that you can't seize an American citizen off the streets of a U.S. city and whisk him away and incarcerate him indefinitely and hold him incommunicado and give him no chance to argue that he was mistakenly detained. And that applies even uh, for guilty folks like uh, Padilla. So I think Korematsu sort of set the stage because of that detention of the Japanese during World War II. So it's not that the courts were invoking Korematsu to justify this kind of treatment, uh, the holding in that case, was an anachronism, and it's been overruled, not uh, in the court of history, even if not uh, officially repudiated until until the Trump travel ban case, and that was just uh, 2018. But, you know, Korematsu's challenge, if it had been upheld back then, it would have stood, I think, as a, as a barrier to excessive concentration of of power in the executive branch. And instead, what the court did basically was condone Roosevelt's unconstitutional internment policy and passed up a chance to establish a legal precedent that might have deterred future executive misbehavior, lots of which we're experiencing right now. Yeah, lost opportunity there. And I would suggest that we're experiencing the same thing now with the January 6th incarcerated in the Capitol jail right now. There, many of them uh, have been in jail and uh, 
Now, they're really suffering under severe conditions and not getting their day in court. It's just not right. Yeah, again, and this is separate and apart from guilt or innocence. This right. is a matter of following the rule of law and giving people due process. Absolutely. So what about the president's war powers? Uh, doesn't he have more authority in that area? Yeah, his, his authority in uh, foreign affairs includes the power to wage war because he is commander-in-chief of the armed services. Uh, but that power still has its limits. Um, first of all, it's about waging war and not about declaring war. Declaring war is Congress's job. And second, uh, the Constitution also gives the Congress the power to make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces. And third, war power, uh, war requires money, and Congress retains uh, the power of the purse. So there has been this ongoing debate, and in response, Congress passed the War Powers Act back in the Nixon era uh, by a two-thirds vote over Nixon's veto. And under that act, military action is authorized only if there's, first, a declaration of war, or, second, some other statutory authorization, or, third, an attack on U.S. interests. And in the event of this third option, that is, an attack, then the president has to notify Congress within 48 hours and withdraw any forces in 60 days unless Congress says it's okay. So I think the key fact here is that the animating sentiment at the time of the founding was fear of executive power, mm -hmm. you know, the return of the king. And against that backdrop, presidents claim unilateral wartime powers with few of any safeguards. Mm -hmm. In effect, a presumption that nearly anything they do in that area is okay. So the, the president is indeed commander-in-chief of the armed forces, but he's not commander-in-chief of the entire country. So interesting and well said, Bob. So we've heard a lot about drones and targeted assassins. Uh, what, what are the rules that apply there? Well, the last Justice Department white paper was some time ago under the Obama administration, and he was authorized to kill any American citizen who, and this is a quote from the white paper, an informed high-level official decides is a senior operational leader of al-Qaeda or an associated force and presents an imminent threat of attack, uh, providing that other governments are unable or unwilling to act. So we don't know which U.S. officials can make that decision. Right. We don't know which leaders can be assassinated or what the words imminent attack mean. According to the white paper, the president even has no need to consult with Congress or the courts and can even tell us about it uh, either before or after yeah. the killings occur. So, you know, the Constitution, the Fifth Amendment, ensures that all U.S. persons have to have due process. And the process that's due is the highest when that person is a citizen of the United States. On the other hand, you know, it's quite clear that some citizens can be killed without due process. For example, if you have a citizen who's threatening to kill hostages, and he can be stopped by law enforcement authorities. And any American who serves in a foreign army that's at war with the United States plainly is a legitimate target. And more recently, we had this Iranian general, uh, Qasem Soleimani, who was assassinated uh, two years ago by a U.S. drone. But he was not a U.S. citizen. Right. So that did not raise the constitutional due process issues that a citizen would raise if assassinated. So what about Anwar al-Awlaki, an alleged part of al-Qaeda, uh, but he was also a U.S. citizen. What, what about that, those circumstances? Yeah, in my opinion, that was unlawful. <clears throat> no one identified a threat from him that was imminent. And imminent, by any definition, means about to happen. Uh, he wasn't directly involved in 9-11. Uh, even if he was an al-Qaeda agent, uh, that's not the same as a soldier who's engaged in combat against the U.S. Uh, so it, an assassination that might be lawful if he were actively fighting on a battlefield, isn't lawful when he's sitting in, in Yemen uh, plotting attacks and there were no hostilities uh, in process. 
Now, just to be clear, I'm not suggesting that he couldn't or shouldn't have been assassinated. Right. Uh, but when U.S. citizens are targeted, and he was one, then I think more process is due. That doesn't mean we have to have a trial uh, before a federal court, but it, it may mean that we want the equivalent of a of a warrant that requires somebody outside the executive branch uh, with relevant expertise to certify that there's sufficient uh, cause for the assassination. You know, Bob, time and time again, we want to just bypass the law and do what we think is quote-unquote right, but uh, we always suffer as a result. We need to operate according to the rule of law. Indeed we do, and again, that applies independent of guilt or innocence of the party who's being targeted. The rule of law is something that we must abide by, and most particularly uh, when U.S. citizens are, are involved. I believe you again, 14 years as chairman of the Cato Institute and serving now as a senior uh, fellow emeritus in constitutional studies. Bob, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I hope our listeners will visit the website cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the Wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So uh, usually we start our interviews with uh, some good news. Do you have some good news for us? Well, I think there is good news. And again, this is my my personal good news in, in, in many ways. Uh, when I say it's not unique for me, but in fact, it's uh, it's it's political positions that I take uh, that that I think are good news positions. Uh, first of all, Bob, happy Thanksgiving to you and to your audience. Um, I think there's a lot to give thanks uh, for. I I'll cite a previous blog I published, which which is called "Back from the Brink," and in that "Back from the Brink," I uh, I positioned that America had certainly not uh, had the red wave that it, it wanted in uh, in 2022 midterms, but we're going to take the House. It looks like 220 to 215, which was uh, what one of my predictions for the House. Uh, and the, the plurality vote nationwide was significant. It was yeah. about 51 to 47, as best we can compute at this point. Uh, perhaps it'll go it'll go even higher. Uh, so those, those those are very good news uh, situations. I think they're they're worth mentioning. 
Uh, as a general point, I'd like to just say that uh, one of the things I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving is that Merrick Garland is not on the Supreme Court. I think that's <laughs> that's really good news for America. I, yeah. I've seen this man operate. I'll get back to a specific with him, with the special counsel in, in a minute. Uh, but as I've seen this man operate, this is a political hack of the worst order and uh, uh, just uh, just a horrible man to have in the AG role. Of course, uh, Barr has not proven himself to be much better in his uh, after-office uh, comments. But uh, you know, Garland is just is just it, not handling the uh, the the legal uh, capabilities of this nation in an appropriate fashion. Uh, one other piece of, of good news that's very specific, again, in terms of what I believe, um, but a recent Emerson College poll has Trump leading uh, in the uh, nomination process and who would be supportive for president process by 55 percent over 25 uh, percent mm. for Ron DeSantis. Now, look, you, you know I really have a deep admiration for Ron DeSantis, so sure. nothing I say should... Uh, uh, cast the you know negative towards towards Ron DeSantis, uh, but I am looking forward to a, um, a presidency of uh, of Donald Trump in 2024. And as best I can tell, Bob, the American people are beginning to understand uh, the critical importance uh, of the Trump presidency in 2024. I'm going to align that with a blog I just published, also, which is uh, called. Um, uh, America in wartime need, needs a wartime consigliere. Now, consigliere is a term used for the lawyer of the mafia, but uh, in the in the book, The Godfather, that uh, Don Corleone has to shift his his consigliere uh, to a wartime consigliere. So the point I make in that is, first of all, that uh, there's a difference in our leadership choices based on the context in which they will be leading. Right. And in terms of this situation, the situation we face, where I believe there's a, a, a significant battle going on for the for the soul of America, I believe there is no one no one better equipped to deal with this uh, than is Donald Trump. And I believe, looking at the Emerson College poll, uh, that Americans are beginning to get the uh, the same view of this situation, Bob. Well, if, if you don't believe it, just take a look at the behavior of the Democrat leadership. and They're doing everything in their power to squash the opportunity for him to run for president. Everything, including Garland's last move to hire this Jack Smith as special counsel. Well, let's, 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 let's make another a point about that. Uh, that poll. The, uh, the interesting subset of that poll is 71% without college support Trump by 71%. Mm. 71%. With college, 53%. Now, this is not to indicate that smarter people don't support Trump as much. Uh, it indicates the corruptions that take place, even in the conservative mindset, when they go into the elite universities. There is that damage that is done. It is significant. It is far more measurable, of course, with those who are on the left. Uh, but again, it, you can see with that number that it even affects those that are definably on, on the right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'd like to just to make that that point. And let's let's get back now to the appointment of Jack Smith uh, by Garland. Uh, in the first place, there's absolutely no need for this special counsel. This has been pointed out multiple times. You've had the uh, the House investigations going on for a what seems to be a, a, an incredibly long period, uh, a year or, or more. Uh, we've had that uh, that working, and it's cleared Trump. They tried to impeach him. They did impeach him. He was not convicted. There was no evidence to convict him. Uh, so we have this uh, incredible situation where there is absolutely no need for a special counsel. That would be the January 6th investigation and the Mar-a-Lago uh, work. And yet uh, we, we have Garland, who finds the need at this point for American, the, the uh, interests of the American public, whatever that means. That's not a legal phrase. That's just a made-up phrase. It means nothing. The American public, the American citizens need to have this, this taken care of. As far as any rational being is concerned, that was taken care of. This was a, these were dead issues. They have been fully defined, fully explored, and yet we bring in, or Garland brings in, Jack Smith. Now, I, I'm amazed at the blatancy of that appointment. Uh, not only should it not have happened at all, but I, I can't really think, uh, in the immediacy of it, of a worse nomination for this special counsel role than would be Jack Smith. First of all, just in the generic sense, Bob, uh, his, his history is that of being a prosecutor. 
Prosecutors do not, as they're investigating cases, do not pursue full disclosure. They pursue the information uniquely that will enable them to bring in an indictment and then convict. Mm -hmm. That is what prosecutors are about. They are not fair arbiters. I'm not blaming the generic role of the, the prosecutor. That is, and that is the role that Jack Smith has historically taken. But if we look at some of his historic alignments, uh, his attack of the conservative groups that were being uh, attacked, in fact, by Lois Lerner in the IRS, he tried to bring prosecution against these, uh, these conservative groups for their, for their pushback against Lois Lerner. Yeah. Uh, we also had uh, Jack Smith uh, bringing in uh, legal indictments against Bob McDonnell as the, uh, the governor of Virginia. That was overturned by a unanimous decision of the Supreme Court that was entirely spearheaded by Jack Smith. Jack Smith is obviously, this is, I'm going to say this is not my opinion. I think this is definably true. Jack Smith is a, a person deeply committed to the left. Yeah. And so now we have a, a process that should not take place that is being given uh, the uh, life of a special counsel under the, the guidance of Jack Smith. An absolutely horrible, horrible situation. Uh, I would suggest, as Marjorie Taylor Greene has, uh, has offered, it is possible to defund the special counsel role. And I think if, the, uh, if this can be done, and uh, Green suggests it can be done, that it should be done. Uh, I think when the Congress, uh, new Congress is seated in January of, of 2023, I think one of their first orders of business, if it is possible, should be to defund that special counsel. Yeah, you know, let's uh, just taking a look at this from a political standpoint. However, Andy, that I just think about uh, this appointment is going to uh, steal the resolve of uh, Trump supporters. So, uh, you know, I think, in, in, in fact, Garland's kind of behaving as uh, as perhaps a, uh, uh, supporting the uh, the presidency or the, the candidacy of uh, President Donald Trump for uh, two, 2024. First, that's first. And, and, and second of all, I think Garland at this point is thinking about the timing of this by hiring Jack Smith. He could have, if he had something, if he felt he could indict the guy, he could put him right in trial right now and, uh, and indict Trump. Instead, he decides to appoint this Jack Smith. This simply kicks the can down the road and creates more doubt about Trump, He, they hope, in the minds of voters. So uh, in a sense, from a political standpoint, you can kind of understand why he's doing this. But again, it has nothing to do with the rule of law. Well, I, look, I always understand why criminals and devious people do what they do, Bob. It's, yeah. not, it's not dubious to me, my mindset, in terms of why they do it. Yeah. Um, and I am concerned about the voter, but I'm I, perhaps, uh, and let me just, I'm not sure if I, if I really agree with what I'm going to say, but my major concern is the way this investigation may impact on the, uh, the rhino uh, Republicans, uh, that effectively they will use this as a, uh, a battering ram against Trump as it goes into the nominating process. Um, now, look, a prosecutor can, as they always say, indict a ham sandwich. Right. Uh, so, again, there's, uh, there's always the possibility, and there's, there's very little to get in the way of what a special counsel does. Uh, so, essentially, if he brings in indictments, legal indictments, and Bill Barr, you know, this, this little, little corrupt guy, uh, has indicated that there's every reason to believe that Trump is indictable. Yeah. So if we have a situation where uh, Smith decides that uh, he wants to indict, he can bring in an indictment with a grand jury in the D.C. district, undoubtedly, right. uh, and then effectively that leaves uh, uh, Trump as an indicted criminal, effectively. This is a dangerous situation for America and for Donald Trump. So uh, I, I see it as uh, offering uh, potentials. I think you're probably right. I think you know, this is why he's he's doing it in the uh, at this point in the in the in the election process. Uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm a little more concerned. I I guess I would be than uh, than you are at this at this moment. If you add to this the the situation where the Supreme Court has just recently allowed the Ways and Means Committee of the House to access Donald Trump's tax records, I think we have a, a, a far deepening and more a complicated process than we than we really should have now as to why the Supreme Court would would authorize this when it's been uh, denied by by multiple lower courts uh, is as absolutely beyond me uh, particularly a unanimous decision uh, to allow that access for the Supreme Court to ignore the context of this distribution of Trump's tax records 
to a house that has proven itself to be willing to use devious and, I believe, uh, illegal means to try to get Donald Trump through any way uh, that is possible. For them to not take into consideration that history, I think, is outrageous on the Supreme Court's part. Bob. Yeah. Andy, I, I'd like to respond to you on that. We need to take a break right now. Can you stick around? Well, I'd like to have you respond, but we'll do it after the break. Okay. Bob. Thank you so much, Andy. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always good to be here, Bob. So, Andy, uh, my thought about the the, the special counsel and uh, what's going on right now, is, and uh, the re- re- uh, selection or, or request for Trump's returns in the Supreme Court action is that this, I think, opens the door for now with a Supreme Court ruling for uh, Republican committees to ask for Biden's tax returns. And I just wonder if, in fact, he's declared the income he received uh, as the big guy for uh, Chinese, rep- Chinese uh, payments. Well, I mean, it probably will. Uh, effectively, we have to get to the point of anyone being willing to acknowledge that he is the big guy. So, you know, that is a, a quantum leap from where we are now. I mean, it seems to be becoming more a potential, but not. I don't think it's likely at this point, but I, I hope it is. On the other hand, I, I, I prefer that Trump's tax returns not be released because it'll just uh, muddy the water. Can you imagine six years of Trump's tax releases uh, uh, with the amount of financial churning that is going on in this man's life and how they'll be able to extract minutiae. Now, uh, I know you indicated that uh, this can all be reversed with the incoming Republican House. Uh, on the other hand, we still have time where that those those returns might be re- released in that uh, in the interim uh, lame duck period right now, uh, and that could be made all public, which would, would totally contaminate the election process. But, you know, your point is well taken, Bob, and I, I think that certainly Biden would not want his tax return returns uh, um, to be reviewed, uh, because if it can be established that he was the big man and that numbers, those numbers do not show up on his tax returns, we're talking about a major and serious criminal violation. So you're, you're right. Uh, I don't know if we can get to that point, but 
you are right, but I my, my basic point is I prefer that Trump's returns uh, not be released. And I, uh, my, I guess my other major point is that the Supreme Court, with taking nothing into consideration, said that that, that, that should be allowed to happen, Bob. Thank you, Andy, for those comments. So uh, you, in your notes to you sent me before the show, you'd uh, refer to stochastic terror, <laughs> which sounds like a gobbledygook term for making public attacks on individuals to try and build an, up fervor against uh, certain issues. What, do, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a new word, actually. Uh, it's been uh, invented by the left. And uh, if you just review some of the comments made by leftist commentators in the print media and on cable, uh, they're using this term now commonly. It's like, uh, it's, of course, it's one of these things that seems to get passed around and becomes a requirement of the, the, the leftist commentators. Stochastic terrorism, excuse me my pronunciation, uh, is in fact a process by which if someone alludes to something in a negative way, and then at some point in the future, uh, an act of violence or terrorism is directed at that group, the person who said anything negative earlier on is accused of being a stochastic terrorist. For example, uh, Tucker Carlson is, is right now being accused of being a stochastic terrorist in regards to the LGBTQ uh, shooting at Club Q in Colorado. Because Tucker Carlson has come out uh, loudly denouncing the, uh, the, the drag queen presentations in the public schools and so forth. He hasn't said anything negative should happen to them. He hasn't suggested any violence. But merely by Tucker Carlson suggested that this was not appropriate. Effectively, that becomes stochastic terrorism. Now, that this seems to be just a, uh, a new uh, invention du jour of the left. On the other hand, uh, with the control of the AG, uh, AG's office and the FBI and so forth, these things are now being turned into legitimate reasons to investigate. For example, Bob, if right now I was to say that I don't like uh, any of the people uh, in the elite left uh, that, that control the left, the Democrat Party, and something as a terrorist attack took place on them, I would be accused of stochastic terrorism. Now, this is not just an incidental form of terrorism. This is becoming a definable, legitimate reason to arrest, uh, indict, and arrest people for terrorism, Bob. So this is a growing potential. It's, uh, it's one that I think the Democrats are pursuing. I think they want to deepen its implication, and I think we can't ignore it at this point, Bob. That's such an interesting, that's interesting commentary, because it, in, a, in a way it's been going on for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, what people happens, you dig up some dirt about somebody and then use it as an example of uh, their past. What you're saying, what you're saying that, that kind of extends this is that now we're calling this participating in a terroristic act because of something you said uh, previously, which uh, has no connection whatsoever. Absolutely. I mean, you're right, Bob. It is a uh, uh, more um, devious form of a, a prior uh, approach used by the left, but now it's being, uh, I'm going to say, formalized, it's being uh, legalized, in their sense, legalized, uh, and it becomes a, a, a strong weapon to be used against anyone who is saying anything negative, let's say about uh, the, the, the DeSantis positions on the sexual activities in the, in the kindergarten, uh, it, DeSantis commenting on that, and if anything happens to a, to a gay person, that would be attributed stochastically uh, to, to Ron DeSantis. So almost everyone, and that would include me certainly, uh, that says anything negative about any of the positions taking on the left, could ultimately fall within the purview of FBI investigation for stochastic, stochastic terrorism, Bob. Oh, Andy, that's so interesting. Hey, I want to talk to you about the internal battle going on in the Republican Party. Uh, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. 
Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We continue the conversation with Professor Andrew Joppa. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. So, Andy, what are your thoughts about the internal battle going on for the control of the Republican Party? Well, let me give you some thoughts in a second. I just want to refer to some stats that are just uh, I'm just extracting now, I've been extracting, that uh, indicate something that is not a positive in the future as far as I see it. Uh, if we look at the under-29-year-old vote, uh, for example, I can point out three elections. This is a fairly small population of voters. It's not insignificant, but it's not, uh, it's not one of the larger populations. Yet, uh, the point can be made that it's three these a population of younger voters, under 29-year-old, uh, that carried the election, for example, in, in Arizona, where Mark Kelly won 76% of the 18- to 29-year-old vote. If we look at um, Pennsylvania, Fetterman received 70% of the 29-year-old vote. Uh, and in Nevada, uh, Cortez Masto received uh, 64% of the under-29-year-old vote. All three of those elections, even with the small population of those under 30 that were voting, uh, were enough and significant enough to carry those elections for the Democrats. The other negative I would like to allude to is that population does not change. If we went back 50, 75 years, uh, the case can be made that if you don't have a heart, uh, by the time you're 18, you're, uh, you'll, you'll have a, your, your, uh, no, if you don't have a, at 18, you should have a heart and be a socialist. By the time you're 40, you should be you, your, your right. mindset should change and you should be a conservative. That particular flow is no longer part of the American model. Many of these people stay as lifetime locked in uh, to their ideological bent. So we're looking at a population that I think is going to be fairly, relatively, maybe significantly resistive to change as they go forward. And these will be the people that are voting in greater and greater number as time goes on. So uh, this younger voter numbers worries me for, for those two reasons, Bob. Well, I saw some t- statistics suggesting that the, the older cohort – uh, has really suffered from inflation as a, as a consequence of reduced value at 401ks and, and uh, income from portfolios and so forth. But I also saw statistics showing that younger people tend to participate more on social programs like uh, food stamps and underemployment insurance and so forth. And those all have escalators in terms of uh, uh, inflation. So the fact of the matter is this longer, lower, uh, younger group, as you're defining it, actually uh, doesn't suffer from inflation. In fact, actually benefits from it because of the increased benefits. So this may be also contributing to the conversation. Well, if I'm going to be optimistic, I would agree with what you're suggesting. And what you're saying is that as they become exposed to these real-life forces, such as inflation, uh, that their mindset will change and shift. Uh, I'd like to believe that. Uh, 
I'm not sure if I do. As a matter of fact, I don't. But uh, <laughs> let, let me let me just say that this, this ideological. Let, let me give an example without making it specific. If we're talking about someone who was raised as a Nazi youth, and I'm not comparing anybody to Nazi youth, other than within this one point, a Nazi youth was a lifelong member of the Nazi Party. It didn't change as they aged. It didn't it didn't alter based on real life experiences. So again, please for the audience, I'm not comparing anyone to that except within that one comment. So I'm, I'm concerned. Uh, I think we have to become more concerned about being able to reach these voters, perhaps with uh, um, uh, must take over of Twitter. That might improve, although I'm not optimistic there. But uh, I accept your, your point certainly as being worthy of consideration. I'm, uh, I'm not sure if I fully ex- accept it. Bob. I understood. So uh, internal control and battle for the uh, control of the Republican Party. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, the, the battle is certainly uh, on paper between uh, MAGA, uh, the, the MAGA supporters, and, and those that are not, uh, the rhinos, as they would be called. I think we're looking at a battle that's an economic battle. Uh, will the president of the United States uh, be an advocate for America first over all other considerations? That includes corporate. That includes Wall Street. Will the president care more about this country and its people than it does about corporate interests? Now, where does the the money come from from the Republican Party? Unfortunately, much of it flows from those corporate interests. So the battle is won not for winning elections in all too many cases, Bob. It's for the battle over which economic policy will dominate the Republican Party. They don't really care if the Republicans win elections necessarily. They just care that the, the corporate interest policy is the one that is sustained. That seems to be where the where the left is, and it seems to be where the majority of those that are resisting uh, MAGA uh, are also. So Trump is a, is a threat. He's always been a threat, not to the Democrats, but he's also a very significant threat to these entrenched, elitist, rhino interests as it pertains to corporate activities, Bob. Yeah, so in my view, I, I see this as a kind of a battle against MAGA, make America great again, that uh, is not is is not allowing um, political influence uh, from uh, Pfizer, big tech, big uh, uh, big uh, pharma, all those types of interests. I mean, big pharma is funding both parties and and the uniparty. So and and actually providing and paving the way for their own uh, agenda. But Trump is not like that. And so this is I see this as a battle between MAGA and between uh, the uniparty. Including the rhinos, and uh, for for the uh, for the best interests of the American people, Trump is for the well-being of the American people. Uh, the uh, the Muna Party is for the benefit of its of its uh, political elite. Well, that's exactly right, and it's reinforcing what I what I just said. So it's a it's a significant battle the American people have to be aware of. I think to a large extent, this is why that uh, Donald Trump uh, has, has uh, scored so well. Uh, in the uh, middle to lower income brackets, lower middle and, and lower income brackets, because they identify clearly that there's been one person that has really spoken up for their interests, right. and that has been Donald Trump. Uh, when people accuse Donald Trump of being an elitist or uh, being locked in uh, with, with, with corporate uh, sources, and it's certainly the, the least true thing that can be said about him. Uh, of course, everything about him said is untrue for the most part. Uh, but again, we're looking at a situation here. We're fighting for the economic soul of America. And you, you spelled it out very clearly. Bob. Well, thank you for that. And by the way, I'd like to say that I'm a Ron DeSantis fan and I support him 100%. And uh, when it comes down to it, I'm supporting Donald Trump for this round. But quite frankly, I, I look forward to the day when, uh, when Ron DeSantis will be our president. I, I absolutely support that. I'm looking for Trump in 24, DeSantis 28 and 32, Byron Donalds in 36 and 40. So okay. I hope I'm around to make that uh, make that part of something that comes true, Bob. Andy, I just wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. I genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining we'll us. We'll talk soon, Bob. All right, thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, looking forward to uh, a day of thanks for tomorrow. Just looking for all, just grateful for all of our benefits and everything that uh, that we have here in uh, our beautiful, wonderful state of Florida and in the, on the Paradise Coast. Hope you tune in tomorrow. We're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Ellen Prager is a earth scientist, and she's written many books 
Always look forward to our conversation with Ellen, as well as Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.